This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the holy city of Yerushalayim. Baruch Hashem. Here we are, uh, we're in week whatever of the coronavirus. I think it must be uh, week number five or something like that. It's been uh, quite an intense situation. Uh, people on the Zoom meeting, if you could put your phones on mute, um, that'd be good for now. Um, if you have a question, just raise your hand and I'll call on you. Um, yeah, so so what's the situation? We are in the second week of the counting of the Omer. Um, a lot of people don't uh, know much about counting of the Omer. And and usually the reason why people don't know much about it is because they're they're basically playing dumb when it comes to um, the spheros, um, which is the ten spheros that God creates the world with. And they, they just, you know, they just figure, hey, I don't get it. And so I'd like to explain it to you really clearly so you always get it. And then also, you know, every year we come to this time, it's the, it's the you know, the, the countdown till Shavuos. And, and it's, uh, or the count up to Shavuos. And we, we've, you know, there's energies here. And, they, and what we're ultimately doing is creating a vessel for receiving the Torah. Because Passover night, when we got to the 50th level, who had a vessel for that? We didn't have a vessel for that. Why? Because you cleaned out the chametz, now you have a vessel to receive the 50th level of of Kedusha, you know, on Pesach night. I think it probably escaped all of us. You know, we didn't even notice it. We're we're so not vesseled for it. You know, if if we were like those, you know, maybe if we were a little holier, we would have, uh, we would have, uh, you know, experienced the 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 light of uh of Seder night you know maybe we would have experienced it the way you know it could be experienced but instead what happened to most of us is we we just had you know an an extremely sorry I'm just fixing my camera angle here we just had an extremely enjoyable evening together with our loved ones and you know we might have had the best time ever and uh but it was, uh, you know, it, it was the. It, it wasn't what probably Sadikim are experiencing Leila Pesach, Passover night. So it's all about building a vessel for that. And the way we build that vessel is by going level by level, building up level by level until we're ultimately, you know, on the level of um, of receiving the Torah, which is, you know. Jeez, what's what's more light, you know? What's more light, the, the Exodus or Mount Sinai? You know, the Exodus is the revelation of, you know, it's obviously the redemption, and that's super high. Uh, what's the revelation itself? I'm not sure of what exactly revelation. I mean, we know the splitting of the sea, the seventh day of Passover, was, you know, e- even though the lowest handmaid had a higher vision of God than than Ezekiel the prophet. So so it's like, it's pretty darn high, the Exodus. But but getting the full download at Mount Sinai, I mean, we have a tradition that the people, it was so intense that the souls left the body of the of the Jewish people. I mean, the, we don't have any tradition that the souls left the body of the Jews crossing the sea. I mean, you need your body to cross the sea. You got to get across the sea. You know, whereas at Sinai... People's souls left. I mean, their their souls literally, literally left their bodies. 
and that's like a, that's a totally different level. And and it's a, it's the same thing of uh, I suppose. You know, I mean, maybe you could say it's the difference that uh, that if if I told you a law in the Torah, like I told you, you know, one of the instructions of the Torah, um, it could be anything. You know, maybe it's even the law of counting the Omer, you know, and. and you know, or, or or how to count the Omer or whatever. So that could be, and and then thank you so much. And then I, and then I tell you about, and then I tell you what it is kabbalistically to count the Omer. Like, what does it do for you to count the Omer? And I share with you that as well. And so you'd be like, you might even say like, wow, that's really high, and you know, like it might be amazing. But what if I were able to? Uh, I don't know, take your two index fingers and poke, put them inside two little holes. And you got, and then I pull, you know, this electrical thing. I just go like, like turn it on. And what is it? It's the actual experience of the sphere of Sayyamir. It's the actual, like, what comes down when you, when that happens. Like, it's the actual happenings of counting the Omer that happened on the spiritual realm, but not, not my words that I might've taught you about spheres Omer that points to that reality, but the reality itself, that would be the giving of the Torah at Sinai. You understand that's Sinai. Whereas meaning your experiencing of the narrative of the, the Jewish people leaving Egypt is different than Sinai. Sinai is super high powered. And what we're doing now is we're building our vessels to be able to receive that. And you don't have to know much. Really, God's doing it for us. We're, we're really... Um, and that's perhaps why there are big scholars who don't even bother with all the extra prayers around Sferis Omer, meaning they they say the blessing, they count the Omer, and then they say Elenu, and they're done. And some of those people are very, very big rabbis who understand a lot of Kabbalah. And they... Uh, Perhaps the reason they do that is because they're, they're, um, they realize that God's the one doing this for us anyway. And so I don't need to, I don't need to know everything here. Let me make a bracha. So you can just count. You can just make your blessing, count the number, and, uh, and God's doing it. By the way, even if you don't, it might even work. Because, I mean, what do you think? Like, people who forget to count one day and now they can't count the rest of the days? Well, they can't count with a blessing. Wow, maybe this is why you should count anyway. Meaning without a blessing. Because, okay, you missed a day, but count anyway. Because because via the count, not via the blessing, but via the count, this is the mitzvah. The mitzvah is to count. You still have the mitzvah. You just, you're just not allowed to make the blessing once you've missed, the, missed a day. Amazing tea, Nechami, thank you. Now, the, um, so let's talk about the vessel. What's a vessel made of? So, so a vessel has, you know, walls to it. It's a container that can allow for something to be inside of it. And this vessel that we're building during this time is um it's got it's got basically two major parts to it and and that those two parts are flow and structure 
And flow represents the masculine and structure represents the feminine. And, um, and the meaning in the mystical masculine and mystical feminine. So, so like, for example, uh, my, my wife probably more than me creates more of the structure of the home. That's the feminine. And, um, whereas I, I flow, you know, I flow financial, you know, sustenance into the home. Um, Tyra, I, I go learn Tyra, I bring it into the home. So I'm like flowing it into this vessel. So like I'm holding here a tea and, um, and this is the structure. This is the, this is the mystical feminine that holds it, the tea, but the tea is flowing inside. Representing the masculine. And so in the structure that we're building, there is flow and there is structure. And we ourselves, our lives are full of flow and structure where everything we do, I mean, uh, uh, literally the the ve- the vehicle or the uh, the vessel that you're watching this this class on has electricity flowing through it um it's likely the internet itself is the vessel that flows the you know the the uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is i'm not a big guy in technology but something's flowing down the lines here that's allowing you to watch this right now and so that's all flow and structure and so we, have, but we have a relationship to flow and structure. Like irresponsible people are usually overly flowy and less structured. And people who you'd rather not sit across from you at a Shabbos table are probably overly structured and less flow. So they don't bring as much to a Shabbos meal. And so sitting across from you, um, if you're a guest at a Shabbos table, you know, you, so you, so you start talking to the person uh, next to them or something or the person next to you. And they, they may join in, but they're more structured personalities. They're, they're both very important. And we, we obviously have to have both. Now, let's think of flow and structure in terms of uh, getting the Torah at Sinai. So, so um, you know, certainly if you're a flowmeister, that's going to have everything to do with connection to God. So, like, you want your flow well-developed if you're going to be getting your tower at Mount Sinai. That's for sure. You want your flow well-developed. And um, uh, on the other hand, you know, you don't want your circuit blown in the experience. You know, you got to be grounded. You know, God put our souls in bodies because, you know, your soul's inside a body and that's structure. And so, you know, it's very nice. You got the light of the tower at Mount Sinai, but if you're, if you're like not a vehicle to actually do it, to like keep it, to like, you know, you know what it takes to keep Torah? I mean, it, I, I know those you're raised keeping Torah, you know, your ves- you take your vessel for granted, but I can tell you working with Bali Chuva for three decades, oh, you know, some people, I look at their vessel when they arrive at Asia Torah and I'm just like, whew, this is going to be a challenge, you know, because this guy, you know, you can't even ask him to take out the garbage and, you know, he, he, three hours later he comes back. <laughs> Where the hell you been? He's like, oh, I ran into this guy. He's on his way to the Shook. I wound up, wound up at the Shook. Next thing I know, I was at Beer Bazaar. It's like, didn't you realize, like, we were all waiting for you? And he's like, oh, sorry. You know, and good luck keeping Torah, you know. So, so it's, there's a certain... 
And and also you get a lot of uh, people in the Torah community who are overly structured, meaning meaning they just you know they're they're they keep everything you know they they dot their eyes they cross their t's they pray three times a day you know they say I'm main at the right times, but they're like they're they. You don't get a sense that's a spiritual being you're talking to. You know, you don't you don't get a sense that this person's experienced, you know, the nearness, the connectivity, the 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 ineffable, the 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 ineffable means like the things that you we couldn't even give words to. You don't get a feeling they've experienced that. Another way of explaining this is Jewish law, if you can't say it, you don't know it. Meaning you could sit in some intricate class on how to do things in Judaism and you're, you'd be nodding the whole time because the rabbi's making sense. And you're like, yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got that. And then you're later, you're sitting at your dinner table and your family says to you, so what do you say? And you're like, uh, I don't know. So, so that's called not getting it, even though you got it. You didn't get it. Because if you can't say it, you don't know it. You know, certain things you don't, you can't say, it, you don't know it. Like in a, like a math exam, you know, <laughs> if you can't say it, you don't know it, you know. Um, whereas Kabbalah, if you, in the world of connection, of flow, Meisters, if you can say it, you don't know it. It's the opposite. If you can say it, if you can explain it, you don't have it. You know, you didn't get it. Because there, because words could only point to it. And since you were able to explain it, so that's probably not it. Okay, so that's flow and structure. Last week was dedicated, the first seven days of the Omer were dedicated to to getting the the um, flow aspects of things, that which is called chesed. And so we were fixing the, um, we were fixing flow last week. Well, how do you fix flow? Well, there's overflow. <laughs> Some people are overflowing. So if you're an over, if you have problems overflowing, like the person I spoke about, it took three hours to take out the garbage. By the way, you ask him, where's my garbage pail? <laughs> He's like, dope. It's at the beer bazaar. So, so that's called overflow. So that needs fixing. So we need to fix ourselves in how we flow. And, and I'm, I'm a good example of someone who needs to fix my overflow. I got plenty of overflow. And it's taken me years to figure it out. But the, you know, my, my wife used to send me mountain biking and she's, she would say, she would ask those words that were like fingernails on a chalkboard. These are the words a mountain biker never wants to hear as he leaves his home. Guess what those words are? When are you coming back? And I'm just like, duh. You got to ask that. You know, because because mountain bikers, they're like it's like the Marlboro Man. You know, they, you ever seen anyone else in a Marlboro billboard? You know, it's always him and his horse. You know, there's no one else in there. Him, his horse, and the sunset that he's going to ride out into. Now, obviously, the Marlboro Man's married. You know, he's going to come home, but you know, his his wife and kids aren't pictured in the in the cigarette ad. Maybe people would stop smoking if they did. So. Anyways, so then what happens is I get I used to guesstimate some amount of time it would take me to get back, and I would go as little as possible so she wouldn't roll her eyes, and then and then wind up coming back double the time that I because what happens is uh, and this is an interesting phenomenon, and I'm hoping she's not listening, but she probably is. 
Mommy listening? So the, um, <laughs> so what happens is, is that, you know, you're riding and all of a sudden you see a little, like, there's a little trail off to the left that you know is like, it's just a 20 minute loop. So, okay. So I said, I'd be back at three, but three twenties, three, you know, three twenties should do it. You know? So, so what happens is the second you go down that trail, you have lost the blessing. You've lost your blessing. Now there are a lot of moving parts on a mountain bike and, and you want them all blessed. They should all be blessed while you're racing down the trails, you know, and including your tires having air in them. You know, that should all be going well. And it does go well as long as you have the blessing. And, uh, and you might have noticed this with your mother growing up, that because that, wives take over for your mother when it comes to um, having everything go wrong because you lost the blessing. But have you ever, like, when you were a kid, you're... You know, you're running out of your house and your mother's like, don't go. And you're like, pretend you didn't hear. And you keep going. And then you just watch how everything goes wrong until you're finally calling her from the police station. So, so this, this is more or less what happens. And so you take that little 20 minute, uh, side, side loop and, um, like clockwork, I got take that 20 minute loop, a couple minutes into it and it just be like, And you know what that is. That's the tire. And you're like, oh, no. And next thing you know, you're changing the tire. But you get one of these, like, impossible puncture repairs. Which, you know, it's not that hard to repair a tire. We can repair our tires in, like, five minutes. But this becomes the one that, like, you finally get it back on the bike, pump it up, and all of a sudden from the other side of the tire, it's coming out the other end. And so, whatever you... So this is all an ex- a, a very long-winded example of being basically more or less out of control when it comes to the um, flow, being a flowmeister. So, so these are flow and structure, and we're discussing, again, to receive the Torah at Mount Sinai, that we got to fix these certain aspects of ourselves. we got to get these, get these together in order to be... Um, in order to be uh, as someone who can receive the Torah. Because the Torah, you know, it doesn't care that you want to go do this. It's Shabbos. You can't just go do that. You can't just flow that way. It requires great, um, great ability to slow down the flow. You need the flow if you want to connect, because the whole point of creation is connection. God didn't create the world that we would follow instructions. He created the world for our connectivity, that we would connect to God. That was the point of creation, and the the. Uh, but at the same time, if you're too flowy, like I would more naturally be. I mean, it's been a lot of years by now. I've gotten my act together. But but if you're too flowy, so then so then that doesn't work either. Okay, so we're gonna do this in two units. So that was the unit on the flow, and then uh, we'll move our way into the next the next unit um, in about short time when we get back together um everybody i'm gonna keep going i'm just uh i just uh basically i'm turning this into two different files on zoom that's all sorry if i re-welcome everyone my apologies
Kevin's screen. Oh, need extra hands here. Sorry. What was your question? Why does structure, why doesn't structure come before flow? You asked. Right. Oh no, I'm already recording. <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm gonna start that again. Um, record. One sec. Record on this computer. Yeah. So, what was the question? Why doesn't structure come before flow? Right. You figure you need the clue before you have the. Uh... No. So it's a it's an interesting question you're asking, and um, and the answer would obviously be like you know ain ain ava bli yir and ain yir bli ava. You mean they do? You can't have one without the other. Um, the reason why Chesed probably starts the whole thing is because because what we're ultimately talking about with all these spheres is how God creates the world, and. And how, how did God create the world? Well, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. And so he flowed creation into creation. So now that flow of light, it's called the orange, so that infinite light, anything it would make would be light. So it's like, meaning without a structure, which is called the oilamos, that blocks the light so that there can be an actual world. So so that that is, um, you know, that's after because if you don't start the flow, you, you, there's no need for that structure. So in the actual Brias Oilam, the flow is the flow of the Orainsov. Now, of course, that would be the most destructive thing in the world without the Oilamos. You need the Oilamos to, to break down that light. Um, but I don't have a real answer for your question. Um, except for that there maybe that there everything's true at all times and including and and that there is no order really you know but i think that might be the answer for if there has to be an order that would be the order okay cool uh anyone else have questions before we start the second half we're gonna go into gavura no questions okay uh anyone on facebook andrew shift Shimon Bars, David Bars. David Shimon, I feel bad. I never call you David Shimon. I don't know who that is from Paid. Sheps of Oh my gosh. We lost, uh, we lost a dear friend, um, unfortunately, last week on Pesach. And of all names, his name is Sheps of Pesach. And um, not only was he a very, very dear student of mine, in fact, uh, about 20 years ago, I. I, I did his upsharing, uh, cut it. He, uh, he had his first haircut where we cut off his dreadlocks, um, as he was, you know, putting on a kippah and sitsis and, you know, learning olive base and learning terra. And... He must've sat on my right at my Shabbos table for, I don't know, maybe a half a year every Shabbos. Shabbos of Pesach. Anyway, um, but he wound up becoming the the band manager of the Paydollet Band from New York, who are also my my dear students, and and we were just kind of one one connected connective group together. Um, 
<laughs> Maybe I'll tell the story. Should I tell the story? Um, I'll tell a quick story and then we'll then we'll do in the second half. So um, <laughs> so uh, one time my wife and I were running a Shabbaton in the, for Oazesha Torah in the country, and um, and uh, it was the Asia Tour Partners Conference. It was before Project Inspire and all that. It was before, it was like the the Asia was kind of the originator originators of this like um, cinemaplex style class after class multi selected multi-choice class hour by hour Shabbaton with a fancy food in a big hotel hundreds of people so that all began with Asia Tour it was actually called the Partners Conference up in the country New York and um, anyway but so they needed music so I I said hey I got a band and uh, you know I'll lead the band and that was the paid olive band in New York and um, <laughs> and so Shepsel Pesach, you know, everyone was set up to come and, and they all came up, up to the country and we had an amazing gig and it went really late at night. And what had happened was, uh, one of the wealthier donors to Asia Torah who had this, you know, he had the honeymoon suite in this old hotel and he, um, he, he, he threw me his keys. He said, like, you know, take your wife to the honeymoon suite. My wife and I are going back to back to the city. So I was like, okay, cool. Thank you. And um, uh, meanwhile, so I finished my concert. I'm looking for my wife. I finally find her. She's passed out, like completely knocked out in our hotel room. And I go down, back down, hang out with people listening to Pay Dollar. One of the beauties of playing concerts with Paid Out is when I'm done, I get to go listen to them because they will not stop playing. They literally take down the house every time. That that whole saying, like, leave them hungry for more, I think they miss that. Yeah. And they, they just, because they, I think they're having more fun than anyone else's. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, who's always having more fun than anybody is the Solomon Brothers from the Moshav. You know, I've been to weddings. You ever been to a wedding where no one cares? Like, the only people excited are like, are like the families, I mean, the, the, the bride, the, the groom, the family of the bride, the family of the groom, and everyone else is just treating this like an old undershirt. You know, I don't know why. Maybe it's like the wedding season, so they've already been to like 10 weddings that week, and it's just not exciting. So I've been to some of those where the Solomon Brothers are the band. You know, they're at the chuppah, and those guys are like, I mean, they're, they're, they're more into it. It's as if they're marrying off their own children, those guys, because they're, they're from Shlomo, Shlomo's Moshev. Shlomo used to tell stories of, of uh, leaving the, you know, leaving the um, weddings and, and people would be like talking about this and talking about that and, you know, the, the food and the desserts and the flowers and this and that. And, and, uh, and then there was this old couple who were like, well, we thought the bride and groom were, were particularly beautiful. We loved them. Yeah. Like oh yeah we yeah we all also we also love that we forgot to mention so anyway so what happened was the band was finished and they come up to me after the gig and they're like listen it's two in the morning we really don't want to drive back down to uh, to the city so what do I do I'm holding the keys to the honeymoon suite I just like flip them the keys to the honeymoon suite and um, and there there all of a sudden the band and the 
about five of those guys, maybe a sound man, or they're usually their own sound man, and, and Shebsel Pesach, I love a shalom. Um, they all go into the honeymoon suite. I went to bed. I, I just went to bed. I don't know what happened from there. Anyway, um, uh, I get a phone call the next day from Aisha Tara, and they're like, they're like, um, uh, can you explain something to us? Uh, we got a phone call from the hotel, and, uh, and anyway, but what happened in the end was that that the honeymoon suite had a jacuzzi, a big jacuzzi bathtub with an island in the middle of it. And uh, by the way, the, the place only had one bed. It was like six guys in one bed. What are they going to do, you know? So what happened? They're all having a jacuzzi and, you know, drinking beers and having a jacuzzi and smoking narguila. The island was where the narguila pipe was. Hopefully it was a smoking room. Although in those days, I don't think they had a distinction between smoking and non-smoking rooms. And, um... And the uh, the Nargila pipes, you know, up there in the middle of this big island. And and uh, anyway, what had happened was, uh, I guess they probably passed out in the jacuzzi, all five of them. I don't know. How many were you guys? I don't know which brother that is. It just says Paydalen on my phone. But uh, um, just put your name and how many you guys were on the, on the uh, messages. But anyway, um, what happened was the housekeeping had been there since 11, banging on the door. And they're just so out that no, they never even heard heard the housekeepers. So more housekeepers joined. Eventually, they decided they're going in. So they, they got their key, and they opened up the door, and they go in, and they find five naked men inside the jacuzzi bathtub, you know, Passed out cold. They're all passed out cold. Oh, <laughs> Schleimann said that it must have been six to eight guys <laughs> inside this jacuzzi bathtub. <laughs> anyway, stark naked, passed out cold. And the ladies came, you know, a bunch of, a couple of housekeepers came in together and they just screamed and the boys were like, ah! <laughs> you know, anyway, that's where they slept that night. So we had a lot of amazing stories like that. <laughs> Shep's bed with the big heart. I don't remember that. Oh, the bed had a, was a heart shape. I don't know. I don't know what that meant. Shlomo, he's sending me more messages. Anyway, um, greetings from Paris. Uh, thanks, Joe. Shalom in Paris. Hope everything's going well there. Okay, let's do part two of uh, back to the sphere of Salome. Take things a little more seriously here. Um, anyway, but we just lost. I just got the news. Uh, Motzi Shabbos about Shepsel Pesa. Um, he was something like fifty-seven years old, and uh, his brother said when he found him there in Florida, he was peacefully asleep, like like asleep. He wasn't alive, and he um, and he was um, that was it. No pulse. Like he must have had a heart attack in the middle of the night or something. And uh, that was it. Shepsel Pesach dies like that, just peacefully. His brother said he had a smile. So, yeah, he'll be missed deeply. And uh, some of the most classic moments ever took place with that guy. So, <laughs> all right, sorry to chuckle because we're sad, but. Every time you think of him, you just can't start stop chuckling. 
over the, you know, the character he was. All right, here we go. We're going to start our next part of the class. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the holy city of Jerusalem. And uh, yeah, so so we're uh, so we're counting the Omer and we're doing this forty nine count to get to Shavuos, where we're going to get the Torah. And when we get the Torah, we got to be a vessel for that. And so what we're doing each week is we're fixing our vessel. Every week is the fixing of the vessel, fixing the vessel. And so last week was fixing the vessel. What part of the vessel? It was the the part of the vessel that's called flow. And and what that means is that you have to be able to um, connect. That's connection. Simple connection. And uh, it's like, um, gosh, I, it's like the word spiritual. You know, the spirit is the connection. The ritual is the structure. And this week's all about the structure. That's what we're doing um, this week is, uh, is the structure. And, and so let's go through it. So what does structure mean? Well, the structure means a bunch of things. It generally means saying no in our own personal lives. Like it's the ability to say no. It's the ability to, um, to uh, make sure that things are protected properly. So like, like the, for example, the door on your house is a no. Abraham was uh, known for having a four-doored tent with no doors on any tent. There's no doors on any side. So it's like, no wasn't in the vocabulary, it seems, when it comes to, uh, to Shlomo, to Avram Avinu. Um, so Abraham's got this no-doored tent, while Isaac, who's known for structure, he had a, like a four-doored tent that all doors were in. They were all intact. And um, anyway, so so the structure has to do with your home is structure. This the the mug holding my tea is structure. The liquid is flow. Now there are people who are overly structured, and uh, and that works more or less with Torah because you need a lot of it to keep the Torah. So that's not like a. It's not a big deal if you're overly structured. And there are people who are... But if you're understructured, watch out. You know, if you're understructured, you're going to be in trouble. And uh, so, like, for example, holding down a job when you're understructured, not going to be great. Um, Dealing with the structure subjects in school, the sciences, math, things like that, that's going to be a challenge. So, so... What we're doing this week is we're fixing our relationship to structure in the world in order that when we get to the 50th, to Shavuos, that when the Torah is given to us, that we are whole. So let's talk about the the aspects of structure. So the first aspect of structure, which would have been a couple days ago, was called Chesed Shebegevura, which means the flow in the structure. And what does that mean? That would mean lots of Gevura. Extra gravure. Now, extra gravure might be a good idea when, for example, your kid just tried to cook his cheese toast in your VHS machine. Now, of course, no one knows what a VHS machine is, but believe me, it's not a place to cook, uh, not to, uh, not a place to make cheese toast. So the the meaning, if your child has misbehaved, so then you're going to be doing more flow of of uh, 
uh, you're going to be doing more gevura. Now, where that which would be positive, that would be an appropriate use because the kid needs punishment now. And if you know you don't want to mess up your kid, and not punish appropriately. So it's time for more gevura in that situation. Um, there are times where where someone could be too gevura in that um, where you got to fix it is um, is a situation where mm, uh, you know we recently had a situation in my house where uh, where my daughter overdid her Zoom meeting. So when I hear someone overdid her Zoom meeting with her friends, so my sense was like, hey, you know, she needs she needs this a lot, you know. Um, whereas the, the kids waiting for their turn were um, were more punitive, you know, they were more they were ready for more Gavura on her, more you know, like um, not to be so connected. Remember, flow is connection. And so they were feeling very disconnected from her. And so, and so I explained to them, like I sat with them and I said, you know, you know, like if you think about her personality, like, like she's, she's been starving of her relationship since the coronavirus began and, and she needs, um, she really needs this. She probably didn't even notice the time went by at all. She wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Um, she was just trying to get some air. You know, and, and I was trying to cool off their overly, you know, disconnection that they were feeling so that our family would be in, you know, back to balance, you know, together when there was some resentment there. Now, the, um, the 10, so then, um, then there was, um, What's another example of being overly gavura? Um, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I'll give one more example of overly gavura is is someone who is so into the halacha, let's say, um, that they missed the experience. They just missed the experience altogether. So let's say Seder night. Seder night, there are a lot of details, Passover, Seder night. And, you know, you got to know those details. And there's a lot of details regarding just making your house kosher for Pesach and what you bring to your Pesach table, <laughs> what's allowed in the house that week. And what did, what did you do with this, the whiskeys and stuff? Did you sell them properly or get rid of them? And anyway, there's a lot of detail. And there's the whole Seder night itself and how much matzah you got to eat and what amount of time and everything. So... So, too much gavura would be um, would be um, being so in the details that you missed the, um, the you missed the entire experience. You didn't you weren't touched in the way that our sages had in mind that someone should be touched during the actual experience. Um, the next night was gavura shiba gavura, and that's a very good very good attribute. And that is that is where you're looking at how much structure and structuring it appropriately. And that's, that's like, that's really, um, uh, uh, that's really the essence of, of this week. And the essence of this week is to, to, um, be applying the, the breaks where you need to apply the breaks in your life. So, uh, an example of that would be, 
um, you know, a lot of people are, are out of work this week and uh, the last month or whatever. And they, and so they got to go shopping and it could be the shopping list needs to look different. You know, you can't just, you know, you can't just overly, you can't do flow of Gavura. I mean, you can't do yet the first thing I talked about because you got to eat, you know, that'd be not shopping. But now it's, no, we got to shop, but we got to shop with uh, with that limitation in mind. And uh, and then the, the, uh, the next day, day three of the count, would have been uh, what's called Tiferis Sheba Gavura. And that means that you really have have everything balanced in that, you know, you know, like to the point of, you know, to be a great example of Tiferis Sheba Gavura would be writing out lists of what you're going to eat for the next week. Because you know how you, if you shop without any clue of the menus, you know, you're just going to buy so much random stuff for all the what ifs, you know. And uh, and if you're if you're if your income is limited, especially during the coronavirus, it's limited. So then, it'd be more appropriate to create menus, um, you know, one major meal a day, and uh, one major meal a day, and and have those menus down. Write down what you got to buy to 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 um, create those meals, and and that's called Tiferis. That's the third day. That'd be Tiferis Shibagavura. And that means that, you know, we're going to limit this. How are we going to limit this? Exactly according to the need. And what's the need? Well, we got this many mouths to feed. And, and if you have, it could be someone else comes over. Like maybe you're, maybe the elderly person uh, today, these days, people don't have elderly people coming over. But let's just say that these are the people you've been isolated with. And they come some meals, they don't come to all meals. So and maybe it's a family or maybe you're taking care of another family. So that's all part of the planning, but the way it works is this third attribute, which we'll be discussing next week in detail, looks towards the recipient. What's the recipient? I guess the cupboards of the kitchen are going to be the recipient of all this. And, and they, it looks towards what would be the appropriate, what, meaning what it, te- the recipient, which may be our cupboards or maybe us eating the meals, tell how much limitation while buying that food to make sure we get it very specifically. So that would be menus. Menus would be the third day of Gavura, is uh, limiting what it is we're going to buy. The, f- the next day is called Netzach Shebe. Netzach Shebe Gavura. And, uh, and Netzach Shebe Gavura would be to, <laughs> to stay consistent with it, meaning... Uh, Meaning, like uh, you, you, you did a whole shopping based on the menus, and then and then what'd you do? You, you, you just like three days later, you go splurge. You know, let's say restaurants. I don't know if your restaurants are open during the virus. Uh, ours aren't, but but you, you know, you go, you just say, you know what, to hell with it, and you take the whole family out for like a three hundred dollar meal. You know, in a nice restaurant. It's like, like what? So you that that would be. Um, I don't know why I gave that example. That was a really bad example. <laughs> that would be an example of chesed, of netzach sheba chesed. I'm, I'm sorry. What, what we're talking about here is netzach sheba gevura would be to to um, be able to lock that down, meaning the, the menus and the shopping and the budget, uh, over time. 
So you'll notice like certain people will, um, you know, they uh, probably everyone listening to me has one point or another sat down and made a budget and then proceeded to blow it off totally. You understand? So that's, that's the, that's the opposite of what we're developing here, which is called Netzach Sheba is, uh, is that you made the budget, you kept the budget. And you stayed with it. And and you could go back a month later and, and look at all your expenses and see they reflected the original plan. And and that's Netzach Shibagavura. The next one is Hod Shibagavura. And uh, Hod Shibagavura means that you you really stayed focused. on You stayed focused on the whole plan. And that would be uh, continuing through, let's say you made a budget for a month of meals and you bought a month of meals, Hod Shebe Gavur would mean that that you really stuck with it. So then what happens is, um, you know, someone says, someone says, hey, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, Uncle Joe's birthday. Let's, uh, why don't we have over the family? And that would be like, that's a beautiful idea, but it's, you know, it's not sticking with the budget. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're back in the market and stuff. Hood would be staying, sticking with it, you know, staying focused. Now, I know that sounds a lot like Netzach, but it's not. Netzach Shibagavura is, is that, is that we kept the plan all month. That we could look back and see that we kept the plan all month of all the limitations we put on our budget. Hood is is in the day-to-day life, in your day-to-day life, you're, you're sticking with things. It's on the detail level. You're staying, you're staying laser beamed in on what was the plan? What was the plan? And, and what, how are we limiting ourselves and, and sticking with it? You know, there'd be an example of, uh, uh, Hode would be an example. Um, let's say someone had a penchant for, um, Oh, gosh. Um, they, they have a penchant for ice cream, but they've taken on not to eat regular milk. They only eat Chalab Yisrael, Jewish milk. Yeah, They'll only eat Jewish supervised milk. So they take that on. And, um, and so that's a limitation. They're putting on the brakes on regular milk. Now, what happens? They go on a two-week vacation in a place that has, you know, there's plenty of ice creams available with a kosher certificate, but none of them are Chalab Yisrael. So, so the, um, so it's just regular milk and, you know, kosher, but regular, not, not Jewish supervised milk. And, and so someone who lacks hode would, would just blow it off. He'd be like, Hey, we're on vacation. God understands, you know, and next thing you know, they, they, uh, you know, one of the meals of their two week vacation, they, they went for the, you know, they went for the chocolate ice cream and, uh, and blew off. You know, so they blew it off. And so that that is a lack of focus. Another one is protecting your guiding, guarding your eyes. So guarding your eyes is is Gavura. That's limiting what you're looking at. You want to you definitely want to limit what you look at in life. And um, but like when you're having a weak point and you think, you know, uh, you know, I think I'm. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna be able to survive this, so I'm, I'm just gonna have a little peek. So that's a lack of hode. Hode is, I said I'm not, meaning hode shibagavura. I, I, I'm said I'm not. I'm limiting this, and I'm gonna stay focused on this. I'm staying limited 
on that particular thing. And so, and that, that's Hod. And the next is Yesod Shibagavura. Yesod Shibagavura is the, is the next attribute. And that is that, and that would be the sixth day of the count. Yesod Shibagavura of this week. And what you'd be fixing there is Yesod is always the interface, the USB cable interface to the final thing, which was our cupboards when we talked about shopping. But it's the, the actual interface of, of the whole thing. And, and that interface would be, um, it'd probably, probably be the meals being served on the table. It's like, it's like you delivered, like you, you said you're not, and you're not going to overshop or, or you're not going to, you know, look at whatever that was you thought of looking at. And you, and so it's, um, it's the, it's not the actual fruition, but it's the, 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 the final connection to that thing which you've uh, decided that you're going to hold back with. Um, I'm not explaining this great. Um, Sojibagavura. Uh, let's say it like, I'll give you a t- I mean, I was trying to keep it in the example, but I'm going to leave the example and go with this instead. So Yisodshikabavura would be um, is I've got this idea that I want to give the class, and and but the problem is the idea is way beyond the class, and but you know what I realize about this class is that all this class, this entire class, is really into football, and so and so what I do is I I realize you know what the only way I'm going to be able to give this idea to the class is through a football story. I'm going to have to talk about it like a football play or something like that. So that's going to be the proper USB cable to get this into the class. Now, now, so how would that relate? How would me kind of dressing it? It's like I'm dressing the idea into a football story. So how, how, would, that, how would that relate to Gavura is that, is that I never tell them the idea. I never tell them the idea. All I did was tell the story the whole time. They were just listening to the story. It was like a campfire story. I mean, they were, they were just listening to the story and it was six down and 20 yards to go and, and, the, and it was the championship game and, and everyone's listening and, and they're all just like totally connected. But I never told them the idea. I limited it. I limited it and I limited it and I limited it. And I made sure though that I, that in order for them to receive it, I, I squelched it down to this idea so that they, so that it would click in properly and then they would get it. And then they could walk away after the story with the idea that I wanted to share. I didn't just share an idea. I, I, I locked it into, uh, to that analogy. Okay, everyone. Um, that is it for this week, and uh, and uh, sorry, not this week. That's it for for our discussion of Gavura for the week of Gavura. And now we're all fixing how we limit ourselves. Oh, you might be wondering why I didn't do the last one. The seventh one is Malchus Sheba Gavura. That's more just the um, in the vessel. That's more like the base of the vessel, and um, and it's the point of it all, and it's. Uh, doesn't need, it's not so much our involvement. It's just us staying focused on what it is we're trying to achieve in life. 
Okay, so uh, shalom everyone, and uh, blessings, and simcha, and nachas, everything good. Um, I'm going to unmute you guys um, for anyone who wants to say hi to me, because that was, uh, I'm doing an effort here to unmute everybody. I'm doing it, and uh, okay, everyone's unmuted. Oh wow, look at all these Jews. Hey guys, what's up? So, um, I was, I had, I couldn't see all of you on my screen, so I, now I see you all. Shalom. Anyone have anything they want to say? Anything? I, I hope you enjoyed it. Was that good for you guys? Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, it was good. That was great. Yeah, okay. Baruch It's not so easy to thread the needle of each sphera with all the other spheras. Because you, it, I didn't, and I, meaning that's why I lost the plot several times. You know, I'm basically out of my mind now. I mean, five weeks in my house, I'm like ready to ram, ram my head into the wall. You know, so, um, so I lost the plot a few times. Because uh, again, you're like, you've got to keep your head in Gavura and then thread it through all the other spheres, you know, in order to, to, ex, to explain the vessel. Um, and, it, you know, again, it, no one knows, no one knows how to do, like, even though I can explain it, I don't know what to do. Like, like, um, uh, tonight's example will be, um, tonight's example for the next 24 hours, you know, right, Dovin Marif, um, but it's already in, meaning what? Because I didn't count, it's not happening, it's happening even though I haven't counted yet. And this, you know, Marif started like a half hour ago. So, but, um. You you guys want you want a little instructions how to deal with the next twenty four hours maybe after dark? Okay. Yes. Okay. So so it's going to be um, yeah. So it's going to be Nitzak Shabbos. So how would I how would I uh, deal with that? Um, oh, by the way, check out this amazing book, guys. This book is called Magic of the Ordinary. And it's and it says uh, recovering the shamanic in Judaism. That you know the tribal shamanic shaman, a shaman is a medicine chief, medicine chiefs in the uh, you know in the uh, jungles. And uh, this book is just an amazing book full of uh, everything having to do with the uh, wow, everything to do with. Uh, you know how how things work. That if you meet a medicine chief in the Amazon, he's going to know all the energies that that the Jewish people have always known from our prophecies of uh, you know by knowing by ha- having received the Torah. So this guy named Gershom Winkler, who I don't know if he's an observant Jew, but he's certainly somewhat observant. I think he is observant. I don't know who he is, but he wrote an amazing book. Um, so what am I going to do? So for the next 24 hours, my job is, you know, our, is to keep the rules, basically. I mean, it's 24 hours, just like, this is what you do, do it, you know, and this is what you don't do, don't do it. And um, um, one thing, one thing would be to maybe uh, go to sleep tonight, as opposed to what's been going on in this house. You know, this house has been, you know, there's there seems to be no bedtime. And um, so Gavur is 
calling it a calling it a day and like just getting into bed and kind of suffering through the process of falling asleep and um which is going to be very hard tonight because this family's just going later ever since the seder we do all night and we just never got our act back together since then because why get your act back together nothing's going on anyway so so the uh my my sons pray at sunrise having been up all night every day and um i at least get to bed somewhere near dawn Anyway, so so gavura means to limit, and and so going to bed at least at a time, cons- and to be consistent about it is because uh, because tif- um, netzach is consistency, and gavura means limiting, and so you can just stay up all night. That'd be chesed. That'd be flow. And go to bed. That'd be gavura, and um, and the uh, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing is some people have been like grazing in the kitchen like cows, you know, people are like, you don't see anyone anyway, so you might as well, you know, pig out every day. And, um, and so the, the, it's inappropriate, you know, that's, that's totally a lack of gavura. Now for you to skip a meal because I said that, or to eat more balanced because I said that, that would be gavura. Netzach should be gavura is you did that for the rest of the virus. I mean, you did that for the rest of your life. You know, if you really kept netzach shebegavura, you would then eat balanced for the rest of your life. Now, it doesn't mean you can't like have a big Shabbos meal. It doesn't mean you can't go to a party and you know overeat. But it does mean the next the next day your house would look like my house on a Sunday as you'd be cleansing. You know, it's all juices here, and people don't eat a lot of solid food on Sundays in my house till. So uh, today, uh, what did we get? We had a chef salad, which was delicious. With uh, you know, there was some protein in there, some eggs and fish, but but that, that's all anyone's eaten in my house, and it's already eight thirty. You know and why? Because we just had Shabbos. You know, and and so there's nothing wrong with you know a, some serious Shabbos eating, but um, but the uh, you know, but now it's time to cleanse because it's Sunday. And uh, anyway, but that's that's basically basically the point is netzach uh, sheba gavura would be eating appropriately, the right amounts, the right foods, the right times, everything, and not once, <laughs> not once. Doing it once would be hod. Maybe that would be hod sheba gavura. Maybe that would have been a better way to explain that. Maybe that would be hod sheba gavura that you did it once, like you had a real focused day when it came to your diet but netzach shabagavur would be you're you you've been doing this you've been doing this for years yeah okay everyone shalom uh, blessings to you all have uh, only nachas Shem should protect everybody and whoever's ill should be well get a speedy recovery hey uh, thank, you. thank you very much yeah, thank you very much welcome everybody shalom thank you for the class what's the name of the book again uh, it's called Magic of the Ordinary by Gershon Winkler. Magic of the Ordinary. Okay, guys. Shalom, shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.